Welcome to the Erie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Today we're starting a new series that we call Money Wisdom. As followers of Jesus, we turn to the Bible for truth and wisdom about a multitude of things. But the Bible has a lot to say about how we handle money. In fact, it has a whole lot to say about money. For the next three weeks, Pastor Nicole is going to have a discussion about God, wealth, and life with a different guest each week to unpack the things that God tells us about money and what we do with it. So let's get started today with our new series. Here's Pastor Nicole. Today we're starting a new series uh, for three weeks from the book of Proverbs. Now, Proverbs is a book uh, that focuses on character. In fact, no book in the Bible is more focused on the development of godly character. And it's really easy, I think, often when when it comes to our faith to think of it on an abstract level or a theoretical level or a uh, feelings level. But what I love about Proverbs is it acquires wisdom and it applies it. It's very practical. It's very efficient. Uh, In fact, Yesterday was my husband and I's 17th wedding anniversary. And um, what I posted on on Facebook in celebration is that 17 years ago yesterday, my life became much more efficient and Joel's became much more fun. But what I love about Proverbs and what makes me think of my husband when I think of Proverbs is the, the practical application, the efficiency of this word from God. I love how God knows how to speak to each of our hearts, right? How he wired us and created us. So I think you're going to enjoy these next three weeks as we talk through some really practical ways to make our lives mirror and reflect uh, what God wants us to. So we're going to center our conversations about what Proverbs says about money or wealth. Um, I've asked some help from some very wise people for these next few weeks in our congregation. Uh, Today, I have Steve Frank with me. Um, He's going to tell you a little bit about himself in a moment, but Steve serves on our church council. Uh, He's been on the church council um, since the day I came as lead pastor, so we've been working together here for several years. He is also on the worship team. That was him in the drummer's cage just a few minutes ago, so very versatile. And um, his family really is an incredible example of radical generosity. Um, Our family has known their family for a long time, and it really is a staple of who they are and how they live out their lives. And so I'm very excited to have him here. So will you welcome Steve this morning? Well, tell us a little bit about you. Well, good morning. Uh, First of all, I'm very humbled to have been asked to do this, and it's not really a subject that I talk about outwardly all all that much, so uh, hopefully what I have this morning can help contribute to what the Lord has laid on Pastor Nicole's heart. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. For those of you who don't know me, uh, my father was a minister. Uh, My mom and dad are actually here, so my dad was a minister. My mom was a saint. (laughs) And uh, really taught some good values growing up there. My uh, wife has attended this church basically all her life, Erica. uh, And we've been coming here for about 15 years. Uh, We have three beautiful daughters. uh, Caitlin, who's 17, uh, she was in the first service uh, because she's at a boyfriend's service now, which I don't want to talk about. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she's a junior at McDowell. She'll be a senior, and she's part of the Votech program. Uh, for cosmetology, so she's excited about that. And then we have two uh, two younger daughters, Addison and Audra. Addison's 11, Audra's 6, and they both attend 
here at Erie First Christian Academy, and my wife and I are just thrilled with uh, just just what they've learned and what they've been taught in the leadership of Daniel and the teachers, uh, and how they they just come home with the Lord and on their breath, and everything they say and do is is God centered at school. So we're just so thankful for that. I love this church uh, because I've always felt the presence of the Holy Spirit here, and that's that's very important to me. I love the people and the relationships that I've built over the years, and I really love Pastor Nicole and her heart for people and, and God's Word uh, and her just creative ability uh, to present it to us in such a thought-provoking way that helps me grow. And so, again, I just pray this morning, and I, I hopefully I can uh, contribute to what she uh, God has laid on her heart. Well, thanks for being here. Um, The proverb that we're going to dive in today comes from Proverbs 23. I want to read it together, verses 4 through 5. It says this, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So many times in Proverbs, and maybe the Proverbs that you know or are familiar with, Uh, talk a lot about rebuking being lazy. Okay, Proverbs 10 says, lazy hands bring poverty. Uh, Proverbs 13 says, a sluggard's appetite is never filled. Proverbs 6, 6 reminds us to look at an ant as an example of how hard we should work. So God is very clear. He did not intend for us to be lazy and not contribute to the kingdom. But I chose this proverb because actually we see another warning, uh, maybe the opposite end of it. And it says this, that there is such a thing as overworking, that we can sometimes make wealth an idol as well. And we can actually begin to worship work if we're not careful. And so verse 5 reminds us that riches, the things we can work for and give our whole lives to, are gone in a moment. We can work our whole lives. We can acquire a lot of wealth, but it's gone the moment that we die. And so the author kind of gives this metaphor uh, that says riches sprout wings and fly off into the sky and however that looks like in your mind. But the idea is to communicate that this is an image that riches are temporary, they're vulnerable. They're, they're not going to be around forever. And so they should not be worthy of the focus of our lives. I was reading this uh, little story this week. Um, it was of a wealthy investor who was visited by an angel. And the angel said, uh, what, what do you want for me? And the wealthy investor said, oh, I want a copy of the financial news one year in advance. And so the angel gave it to him, and, and the guy looked at it, and he greedily looked at all the stock prices, and he, he began to drool over all the investments that he knew he was going to make so that he could make all kinds of, of money with this information that the angel had afforded him. And then he turned the page, and his eyes glanced across the obituaries, and he read his own name. <laughs> Suddenly, he didn't want the news anymore (laughs) because those investments didn't matter quite so much. And I just love that little allegory, that little story, because what it really is describing is what this proverb is saying is that there are more important things to life than money. There are more important things. There are more valuable things. There are more eternal things that are worthy of the focus of our lives. And so I think the first question that um, Steve and I prepared to kind of talk about today was, uh, as we look at the scripture, what is better than wealth? If wealth is not supposed to be the focus, then what is better than wealth? So Steve, what do you think? How would you answer that question? 
Well, first of all, I, I don't think I told you what I do for work, but I, I work for a barge company. Uh, we move equipment over the river system and the, and the Great Lakes and the ocean. And if you ask my wife what I do, she says I move big stuff. So that's, that's what I do for work. Uh, another quick piece of background. Um, well, uh, actually, t- today, I think, God, I think God ordained this day for me to be here to test me again because I literally have probably the biggest shipment I've ever worked on and managed in my entire life is culminating right at this moment, and I have no control over it. I can't look at my emails, talk on the phone, so I have to entrust other people to handle it, and uh, I know God's got it under control, <laughs> but he's definitely testing me this morning. Uh, little piece of background, my, um, my growing up, Anytime my brother and I, we would get in trouble uh, as a young age, and my father and mother are here today to attest to this, my dad would send us to retreat to our room, and we'd force us to read Proverbs. So he's been preparing me for this moment, I believe, all my life. <laughs> but uh, truly, uh, what's better than wealth? I, I, believe, I really believe character and integrity are much more important than wealth and really any other characteristic uh, we possess. Uh, I believe that if we really want to show people who Christ is, our actions often or always speak louder than our words. I mean, how can we expect to share the salvation message with someone else if they've witnessed our life and they realize that we can't be trusted in our everyday encounters, in our friendships, and in our business relationships? I kind of have a story to go along with that, but my first, my first real professional job out of college, which is in the field that, a similar field that I work in now in logistics, I was working on a project. Uh, My owner and uh, manager were heavily involved in it. And I was working with a vendor who I wanted to select for the project. Their pricing was higher than the competition, but they had just held my hand through the job. They gave me a lot of information. I really felt comfortable that they were the right choice. So the owner and manager wanted me to go back to this vendor and uh, try to get the costing down a little bit. Um, So we had a phone call. They were standing over my shoulder. And I was basically just brutally honest with uh, the vendor. And I said, hey, listen, this is where you're at. Um, this is the other bid that I have. You know, I really want to work with you. you know, I value the information. But you know, can you do anything with the cost? So we hung up that phone call. And I immediately got drug out into the hallway uh, by the owner and my manager. And they looked at me and they said, you never tell the truth. You always lie. I said, I said well, what, do you, what do you mean? If you want to get $10,000 off the cost of that job, you have to tell them that the price you have is $20,000 lower. And I had a decision to make at that moment, and I looked back at the owner of the company and my manager, and I said, well, not not me. I said, if you you want to tell them that, you have to make the phone call. And so that moment um, in time, I realized that that wasn't the place for me. I didn't know where I was going to go, where I'd end up. But um, fast forward, uh, not too long after that, I ended up going to work for the vendor that was, I was hiring for that project for nine years. So <laughs> God is amazing um, when <laughs> we uh, show our integrity. Uh, then I recently had a situation um, you know, with a customer who I'm working on a project, and we had some unexpected costs come up, and they were significant. And uh, I won't go into detail on how I'm compensated, but those costs, they, they directly affect how I'm paid. And uh, our, my management wanted to go back to the customer with these costs, and you know, we had done our due diligence ahead of time, and we weren't supposed to have them, so we didn't budget for them or anything. And uh, he wanted me to go back and say, well, well, it was unexpected. You should be able to get that back. And I said, no. I said, that's not, that's not how I told them, and that's not what the contract says. And 
I'm not going to make up, you know, a reason why we should be compensated. And I said, we're just going to have to eat it on this. And, uh, you know, I, I just really believe that those decisions that we make hourly uh, affect how people see us. In my opinion, our reputation in this life is all we have other than Jesus. And it's very hard to earn, uh, and it's so easily lost. You can do five things right and one thing wrong, and everybody remembers that one thing. That's so true. Um, some of the scriptures that support just some of the thoughts that you shared, um, Proverbs 19.1, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. Uh, God, the Proverbs are very clear with that wisdom. And then Proverbs 22, 22, 1, uh, speaking about reputation, a good name is to be more desired than great riches. Favor is better than silver and gold. And so it's interesting how uh, the, this proverb is describing that wealth comes from respect, from a life well lived. And there are no shortcuts to that, right? There's a reputation is earned, not given. It can't be bought. Um, in fact, it'd be easier if it could, but that's not how it's designed. It's watching every decision, you know, that you make. So that's really, really good. Are there any other things that you would think of? I know um, when Steve and I talked about this day, one of the things we both really saw in the scripture theme is that wisdom is better than wealth. And particularly uh, that verse in James 1, uh, verse 5, that says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. That wisdom doesn't cost us anything. It's this free gift of something that we need. And so um, I know that's one thing the Lord's kind of shown you as well, is that wisdom is, is better than wealth. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing when when you ask God and he gives you this divine wisdom. And ultimately, I, I believe divine wisdom allows us to live our lives in a way that makes sense. It makes sense to others. You know, you hear the word common sense, um, common sense actions and, and words. And I think, I think that allows us to be um, what God desires for his children. Uh, when I see other people making wise choices... I want to follow them. I want to ask them about their story. I want to get inside their head. I want to know what makes them tick. And hopefully, um, through God's wisdom, as we make decisions, you know, we're not going to get them all right, but hopefully people will see uh, that we're making wise decisions that make common sense, and they will they want to know what, what makes us tick, and we'll be able to share with them that it's, it's really Jesus and his divine, uh, divine wisdom that makes us tick, and all we have to do is ask for it. Another thing that uh, that we discussed that is be, you know better than wealth, wisdom is better than wealth, and a peaceful home is better than wealth. And I've got to tell you, as I sit here today, I'm convicted to keep myself in check of all the things we're discussing. I work very hard. Uh, I travel a lot for work, and oftentimes my family makes a lot of sacrifices. This is a lot harder to get through in the second service while my family's here. <laughs> But they make a lot of sacrifices uh, because, of, because of what I do. And the reality is that uh, really we, we all have a choice to make. And I can make up excuses and say, well, I, I need to provide for my family and this is just what I have to do and I don't have a choice. But really we, we all have choices to change our situation uh, for these principles to, to remain in check. 
And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, about a, about a year ago, um, I've been with my company for five years, we had the opportunity to hire a, a, another person. So, uh, again, how we're structured, there was three of us at the time, we would be adding a fourth. And the way we're structured is I would have to take a pay cut to have, add this person. And, and honestly, uh, he, he was based in the Houston, Texas area. It's a place that I travel all the time. And, and uh, you know, I just knew that the quality of life for me and my family would be better if we could bring him on board. And so for, for me, it wasn't really a tough decision in wanting to bring him. I, I was excited about it. But, you know, I've got these two other people who's be affected the same way as I will by bringing another person on board. So, I, I, again, I, I believe I prayed and asked God for the wisdom and I believe that he gave me the wisdom in order to share with my counterparts on, you know, just the same type of values of quality of life and family. And they see it now. And uh, we have that fourth person. And it's been a blessing for sure. It's really good. So a lot of times we just talked about several things that are better than wealth. But often we put wealth in the wrong position or we put it in the wrong priority in our lives. Um, I don't even know if we always realize we're doing this, but it's something that happens, you know, all of a sudden where um, maybe if you, if you think, about of your, think about your life and what you do all week and how many hours you make sure you work and how many hours you make sure you worship, how many hours that you make sure you make money and how many hours you make sure that you encounter Jesus. And I don't mean just church services, but, you know, the way that you're worshiping and the way that you're engaging in Jesus. And I think what happens is we sometimes just just kind of slip into this wrong view of money and we can produce in us an apathy towards spiritual things. Um, now, you guys are all passing the test because you're here at church, but, you know, many times uh, people miss church for weeks and weeks on end because of work or different things like that. And sometimes that happens. There are situations where that has to happen. Uh, but when it becomes the, the center of our life to earn this money, when we begin to say all we're consuming of is how we're going to make more money, how we're going to make sure we're going to provide, how we're going to work instead of worship, we can often fall into this trap of it being in the wrong priority of our lives. Um, I know we hate to admit it, and this isn't a word that any of us want to label ourselves, but when we put money in the wrong priority, the Bible has a name for it, and it's called greed. It's called greed. And the scripture is very clear that greed is sinful and it hurts our relationship with Jesus. It's interesting, in Luke 12, Jesus tells a story uh, that really complements these Proverbs we're talking about today of a man who had too many crops for his already full barn. Um, so instead of thinking, okay, I will share these or I will give them to someone in need, he says, look, I'll build a bigger barn and I'll store more food for years to come. I really believe this is where the original Hoarders TV series began. Okay, this is, this is like way back before they ever made this a show. Uh, this is what's happening is this guy kept everything. He never had enough. And the more and more that he acquired, the more and more he wanted. And so we actually see an exchange between the man and the owner in this parable in Luke 12, and I really believe that this can represent a conversation that we have with the Lord. So verse 18, it says, then he said, which this is the man, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, I'll build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. I love how he's given himself the pep talk, you know. He obviously knows something's off. So he's saying, uh, okay, just take life, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you, and then you will get what you have. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse twenty-one says, "This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, 
but is not rich toward God. Now, I think that last clause is really important because we're not saying wealth or riches or having resources is wrong. That's not what the scripture says. Uh, money is not evil. This is how God created the world to work and for us to, to earn and give and be able to give more to the kingdom of God. But what's really important is that it's balanced with being rich toward God with being rich toward God. And this man had wealth in the wrong priority of his life. He was not content, even though he had plenty. He wanted more and more and more. And it's clear that he intended to keep it for himself. And this is what is described as greed. So I think it's really important for us all to really evaluate how we're doing um, with wealth. Are we struggling with greed? Are we allowing wealth to be in the right priority? Here's some questions that I think would be really helpful uh, for us to think about to make sure that some of those seeds of greed aren't living in our hearts, maybe even unintentionally. Uh, the first one is, do I view my money and possessions as mine or God's? Do I view my money and possessions as mine or God's? You know that God owns everything, all of it. It's all his. We just get to manage it. And at the end of the day, when we uh, cross into eternity, we will give account to him what we did with the resources and the things that he gave us. I think there are two ways we can look at our money and our resources. One is how much of my money should I use for God or how much of God's money should I use for myself? How much of my money should I use for God or how much of God's money should I use for myself? Uh, the second question we can ask ourselves, why do I want more? Um, you know, sometimes it's legitimate. We want to be able to provide. We want to be able to invest. We want to be able to um, have something to live on later in life so we can bless and spend time with family and those kind of things. Those are all fine. Like I said, wealth is not wrong, but if we want more just so we can buy bigger and better stuff, that might be drifting into greed. Uh, number three, am I more concerned about making money than I am about my eternal destiny? Uh, this is the question that Jesus is saying uh, is saying to this man in the parable that wanted to to build bigger barns. He says, "Look, if you lay up treasure on your on earth for yourself, but you aren't rich toward God, you're missing the point." He says, "Look, if you if every waking moment you're consumed with how you can succeed financially, but you never think about how you can succeed spiritually, then you're not seeking first God's kingdom and God's righteousness." And then here's a, a great fourth question. Do I cling to my things or am I generous and ready to share? Uh, so what are the things that you own that you would never share? What, what are the things that you would never sell, that you would never give away? Uh, the old, you know, adage we think in our mind is like, if your house was on fire, if you went to a deserted island, you can only bring one thing, what would you bring? And everyone always says, um, I'll bring my pictures of my children, but I know it's your iPhone 10, you know, that you are running back into the fire for, or your, you know, laptop that you paid for. But this idea is we need to loosen our grip on things because really ultimately things are things we work for, but we can't ever take with us. So those seeds of greed. So uh, what are some, if we're trying to live a greed-free life, right, a sin-free life of greed, what are some principles, Steve, that you would say can help us to live generously like that? I'd say first of all, uh, first of all uh, we need to make it our goal to please God. Luke uh, 12, 31 says, seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Now, I, I'm imperfect. I sit here imperfect. I get a lot of this stuff wrong all the time. But my, my real goal in life is that 
you know, my family and my friends and my coworkers and my acquaintances would know who Jesus is and see him through me. I, I may not be the preacher type to shout it from the rooftops, but hopefully through my actions, they'll see that uh, I, I live a Christ-centered life and I'll continue to get things wrong and I'll continue to try to do better. But I, I really believe that when we make it our goal to please God, God will bless us with the things that we need. I mean, when we take the focus off of us, and forget about the material things. God gives us what we need naturally without limit. Number two, I believe that uh, we need to use our money to build up treasures in heaven. Heavenly treasures are forever, forever and earthly treasures are, are temporary. So think to yourselves, where can you invest eternally, whether it's money or time, you know, in your church, into missions, into people who need, uh, just need something. Maybe it's like a royal family kids camp where, you know, you or you're giving money to your niece or nephew to go to a camp where they're going to learn about Jesus. Uh, you know, what, what can you do with your finances, your resources, or your time to help build up treasures in heaven? You know, growing up, uh, and my dad's a private person, so I apologize, but I'm sharing some some of your stories because they're really impactful on me. But growing up, my dad always had money set aside that he called the Lord's money. He still probably does. And this was just, just money that he had set aside so that when he saw a need, he could be ready to react quickly. And that was so impactful to me that he didn't have to go search for it. No matter how much he had, he always had this money set aside so that when someone needed something, he was ready to react and give and, and didn't have to go search for those resources. And that, that's really building up treasures in heaven. Uh, number three, um, practicing tithing and giving. I'm turning you to Malachi 3.10, where he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. This is the only place in the Bible, to my knowledge, that God asks us to test him in. Again, uh, tithing and giving for me, it's been a part of my heritage. I, I learned this from my parents at a very young age. Uh, really, for me, I'm not, I'm not bragging, but it's, this is not, um, it's not a question for me of when or how much. It's... 10%, and it's the first thing that comes out of not only just my paychecks, but if I get a birthday card with a $20 bill in it, $2 is coming out. <laughs> uh, my kids will tell you that if they get a dollar from the tooth fairy, they're searching the house for a dime <laughs> for tithe. <laughs> my oldest daughter, who was here earlier, knows I've been preaching it up and down to her lately. So anyway, it has to be a habit. I guess that's my point. No questions asked. And if you feel, honestly, if you feel the Lord nudging you to do over and above that, that's where your giving comes in. And, and we need to be obedient to, to him in that area. Um, I, I've got kind of a funny story to start off with, but there was a moment in time in my life where God was kind of speaking to me that when I would come to church, any, any money that I had in my pocket, I, would, I was to put in the offering. So... I just started doing that. Some, some days I'd have a dollar in there, and I really, during the week, wasn't really thinking about it. So whatever I showed up with, you know, I might have a $20 bill in there. And, you know, some, some weeks I might have nothing in there. And, you know, I felt to do that until a certain point when I was released from it. Well, one, one Sunday morning we had, after hosted a uh, uh, dodgeball tournament at the church here, 
And so I was collecting all of the money from everybody to kind of put back in our, you know, we had a bank account for that, that event. And, uh, I probably had about $400 in my pocket and the offering basket rolled around and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> so off that money went. And, uh, after the service, one of the guys who was working with me, he said, Hey, I need that money for those trophies we bought for the tournament. I was like, well, I got a slight little problem with that. <laughs> See, I happened to give it in the, and so anyway, this, this gentleman was super generous. Um, he didn't make me pay it back to him, but, uh, that's just kind of a funny story. I thought I'd share uh, a little bit more of a serious note story. Uh, when I was about 18 or 19, um, I had bought my first my first truck, and I was very proud of that truck. Um, I used my own money. I worked hard. I did the insurance, the, the whole nine yards. Even had my first kiss with my wife in that truck. So it was very special to me. And, uh, you know, there, were, there was a moment when my brother, he's two years older than me, uh, he was getting ready to gra graduate college, and I really felt like the Lord was speaking to me to give him that truck. And so I tested that for a while because I really didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know how we ask God to, like, give me six signs, and I'll do it on the sixth sign if you give it to me? Well, you know, that's what I was kind of playing with for a while, but ultimately I ended up uh, handing him over the keys at his graduation and I've got to tell you that um, shortly after that, the Lord has blessed me and my family with vehicles um, without even asking. Um, at, at some points in my life, my wife and I both have had company vehicles, or one of us had company vehicles. Even to this date, I still get mileage when I drive, um, you know, when I drive for work, which I drive a lot. So uh, the Lord has just been so faithful in, in blessing us in that, uh, in that regard. Um, another story that we, Steve and I have talked about, and um, just want to kind of make sure everyone knows this. We talk about it every once in a while, but uh, if you don't, uh, tithing as a family, there's a lot of great testimonies that, you know, you can hear from. Steve shared his, and we do as well. Many people, God blesses you, but also if that isn't enough, I guess, um, we have an incredible story as an Erie First family uh, when it comes to tithing on tithe. And so um, I wanted Steve to kind of walk us through about, maybe start about five years ago, uh, where the church was financially, and then what we did and, and where we are now. Yeah, sure. Um, so as she had said, you know, we've spent her entire career here, I've, I've been on the council, that was early on for me. And uh, really five years ago, we were in pretty rough shape here. Uh, you know, we didn't have much money. We were having some serious conversations and I'm just being very transparent, even with the school that's that's uh, associated with the church here, you know, as to, you know, is it really a mission of the church? Do we, you know, do we need to get rid of the school, keep the school? Ultimately, we came to the conclusion that it was a mission of the church. And so we were going to take that off the table and make it work, but we really didn't know how. And as we began as a council and, and staff, uh, dig into you know what we were doing as a church. We realized that we were here asking all of you to give 10% of your tithe and your offerings to this church, but we weren't really doing the same as a church outwardly. And what I mean by that is we weren't giving 10% of what we had. So we started to really take a deep dive into that and say, okay, what can we do? How can we up our missionary support and outward giving um, here to the church? And we committed as a, as a council to, to making sure that we did 10% of that every year. And I, I will tell you, since, since that day, uh, the Lord has really been uh, beginning to bless us 
um, just over and over and over again. Uh, within probably a year, the school was completely solvent. Um, I mean, I, that's just a miracle to me. I, I don't want to go into the details, but that was just a straight miracle. Um, and, and from there on, everything just seemed to fall into place. Um, now, now you'll start, you're starting to see some, uh, some long overdue work being done around here, uh, fixing things up like the bathrooms. We're getting ready in, in June to put the parking lot in, and we're not coming to the congregation for any additional money. Um, the Lord has just blessed us, because, and I know without a shadow of a doubt it's because we made that commitment to tithe like he asked us to and like we're asking you to do. Um, and we're, we're not asking you to do it uh, for us. Uh, we're asking you to do that. It was a commandment that God's given us. And I think these share, uh, stories hopefully share that it's, it's, it's worth it. You know, it's worth it. Yeah, so good. So we've given, yeah, thank God for that. Um, we've, we've given over $100,000 to missions every year. And then also we are paving that parking lot. You're going to miss the potholes, I'm sure, but you'll get over it. Um, starting next weekend with our savings. So God has just been so faithful to that um, because of that promise. Test me in this. Test me in this. And so that's what we did, and God was so faithful. So we want to encourage you to that. Um, so Proverbs 23.4, I'll, I'll wind it down with this. It says, do not wear yourself out to be rich because God is teaching us uh, that, he, that this is because he knows that what fills us up uh, is him, that it's not riches, it's not wealth, it's not succeeding at all these things, it's him. And so we aren't created to store up wealth. That in and of itself makes us lonely and isolated. In fact, if you think about it, greed is really a logical result of spiritual unhealth because if we don't fully trust that that this life isn't all there is and the purpose isn't uh, the big purpose of God's kingdom, then we don't see the value in that. Of course, we're going to try to grab hold of everything we have and grip it as hard as we can because this is what we think all there is. And so this healthy understanding of eternity, this healthy understanding of, of spiritual health helps us uh, do what the right things are to do that Proverbs says in dealing with um our wealth. So, and here's the truth. And let me, let me close with this. Maybe you've never thought about it like this before, but whether you're actually in debt, like credit card debt or school debt or whatever that is, uh, or not, we are all in debt. We're all in debt. No amount of money will ever be able to repay the debt that each of us have. And that debt is sin. It's the things you may have done that have separated you from God. And the Bible teaches us that the consequence of sin is death. There's no way you'll ever be able to repay that debt. When you cross uh, the line from death, from life to death, and you stand at, before God, he's not going to say, how much money did you earn? He's not going to say, uh, give me both your boats and we'll be square. <laughs> he's not, he's not going to say any of that. Death is inevitable. The debt that you have incurred is what you will stand before God. But in his mercy, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross of Calvary. And he bore the penalty of your sin and he thought of you on the cross and the blood that he shed on the cross was for your debt. And this is the most beautiful act of, of forgiveness of debt that we'll ever understand or know. But the forgiveness of our sins and the assurance of spending eternity in heaven, that is a price beyond measure. And that is the thing that we should be investing in on this side of eternity because it's the only thing that's going to last on that side. Jesus did this so that we would be free of debt and would become an heir of God's riches only by a personal relationship with Jesus. If it's your first time hearing that today, or maybe you've heard it before, but you've never really digested it, I want to encourage you. All you have to do is confess your sin, turn your heart to God, and trust him 
That's it. It doesn't cost you any money. It's not a, a long, drawn out, make sure that you're worth it process. All you have to do is confess your sin, turn your heart to God, and trust him for eternal life. And so before we end today, would you just stand? Um, first, I want to thank Steve for sharing today. Would you just give him a round of applause? And just such an incredible example of this proverb. But if you're here today, uh, the message that Steve and I both want you to hear more than anything we shared today is the fact that uh, you have a debt and you need to take care of it and that Jesus is ready to take care of that debt. So would you just close your eyes and pray with me just a few more minutes and then we'll get on our way today. But uh, you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. He has made a way for that. And so let's just pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we had this debt that you, uh, that, that you saw, that you knew that we were separated from you because of sin in our lives. But God, in this great act of love and of mercy, you sent your son, Jesus, and he died on a cross. And so, Lord, we confess to you that we believe that. We're sorry for the way uh, that we have incurred that debt. We're sorry for the things that we have done that have hurt you or been against you. And we pray, Lord, that you would cover us with the blood of Jesus and that we could walk in relationship and in eternity with you. Lord, I pray today could be a day to remember, um, not just for our country, because it's Memorial Day, but a day to remember spiritually that for each of our lives, we, we will stand on the fact that we were once in debt, but now we are fully redeemed and fully paid for. So God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your work. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.